welcome to Dap Happy, episode number three. Um, I'm your host, John, and with me, as ever, is Dragosh. How's it going, Dragosh? Hello, everyone. Uh, yeah, uh, all great. Happy to, to be in the third episode of, of our podcast. Uh, and uh, yeah, I can't wait to, to discuss the interesting things that happened since the uh, last episode. Yeah. Well, one thing, actually, we should maybe, maybe discuss is, is Dap Radar is now um, back, in, back in offices. Is it, is it feel good to be back? Uh, yeah, it's true. Actually, this was our first week getting back uh, in, in the offices. Uh, at the moment, it's just just some of us back in the office. Some of us are still working from home. It's like up to up to each one of us to, to choose their place where they want to work from. Uh, but yeah, it's great, great to be here. Uh, we kind of missed uh, the interaction between us. Uh, like it, Things are happening way faster, I would say, while, while we're in the office. But uh, yeah, it's like... It, we, 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 I think we have done a great job also while, while working remotely, so uh, that's not necessarily a problem. Not so much for me. I, I, I work from home, so <laughs> I, don't, I don't get the advantage of, uh, of the office or the disadvantages, but um, it'd be a long way to travel to Lithuania if I was a... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, we, we, uh, we do the best we can. So uh, coming on to what was happening um, in the DAP world this week, there's been, there's been a few kind of interesting things bubbling under. I guess the, the biggest one in terms of kind of like news, actually something happening was... Um, is Splinterlands. So Splinterlands is the kind of a card uh, collection game. It was running on the Steam blockchain and uh, moved over to Hive. So that was a uh, that was kind of interesting. I was very excited. No, is that wrong? is that right to say? I was going to say I was I was very excited. I don't know. I was I was definitely interested to see what would happen. Are you keeping your eye on it? Yep, sure. Uh, yeah, well, actually, I was working a bit on migrating the the DAP from one one blockchain to the to the other. I think it was a really smooth. Uh, uh, migration, obviously, because uh, Hive it's uh, it was a fork of Steam. So uh, also for the developers, for for the Splinterlands developers, as far as I know, it was a, a pretty smooth uh, migration uh, because most of the things are exactly the same. Uh, so like technically speaking, so I think uh, yeah, we've we've seen that the number of users uh, kind of kept the same. We haven't seen any any downsides because. As far as I understood from the user's perspective, there's not too many changes happening there. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, I because uh, one of the nice things about Splinterlands um, is, is it has a really kind of simple onboarding process where, um, and I guess that's kind of part of how how um, Steam as a blockchain was created and, and obviously Hive as well. You basically have a kind of a, a username and and kind of a password. It's almost like that that sort of um, kind of setup. Um, Although with Splinterlands, you can now, they have added, like, um, you can log in using the WAX um, all-access all wallet, which, again, is a very simple um, kind of onboarding process. Um, but what was interesting was I, I, they put they put out, obviously, kind of um, uh, kind of documentation about, you know, what would happen. And it said, probably for most people, it's kind of fine. You can just log in with the same same user kind of details because, obviously, you know, the user details on Steam are also going to work on high because it's a, it's a fork. Yep. Um, and I, and I, but I couldn't get it to work. Or I was, I was, I, I could, I could load it up, and my account was all there, but it wouldn't play any games. And then I kind of realised I was probably, it was, I was still operating on the Steam blockchain, which, which obviously wasn't, it wasn't working anymore. So all the UI was there, um, but it just didn't work. So I, all I had to do was log out and log back in again, and it just kind of fixed it up automatically. Which was, I just thought it was to be. I read that that was how it was going to work, and I was like, "That's never how it's going to work. It's going to be a nightmare. I'm going to have to like find the private key." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it didn't. It didn't. So I was I was really quite happy. Not that, not that I. Uh, I've not. I've spent a, a bit of money in there, like maybe thirty dollars. I, I wasn't really worried if I lost the account. I wasn't really worried from that point of view. I just kind of thought, often with the blockchain, these things just 
they, they really niggle me when it doesn't work. I get really frustrated and just spend hours trying to work it out. And then I'd probably end up, end up breaking something. And then and it just oh, yeah. it really annoys me. But uh, this was like seamless. So, um, and, uh, and as part, and as part of the part of the transition, you, you're, you're, um, I've been playing it for uh, Splitland Zone, not for very long, for about a month or so, but um, you're, you're looking forward to playing it now, aren't you? you you've been interested in... Uh, yeah, sure. So I think I think it looks pretty interesting. And uh, yeah, I, I have already created an account. I still need to, to find some, some time to start playing it and to get into that, to kind of learn all the all the card packs and, and so on. Because I think it, it definitely looks really interesting also from the onboarding perspective, perspective as you said. Uh, and as uh, as I know, they they are kind of targeting like average users. So it's something that they are doing differently from from the normal blockchain games because they have this uh, yeah this advantage of not uh, not asking for a lot of things from the part of the user. So you don't need to install a lot of things, deposit crypto and so on, as because you can just pay with with fiat. So I think this is great. They are kind of uh, acquiring users from. Like as any other game, like from from social media, from ads, like in general. So uh, I think it's great. They allow the user to create an account directly on on, on their website, so without any prior knowledge of, about the blockchain and so on. Uh, and obviously, also like a nice thing that I have noticed, they they allow anyone uh, to export their private keys if they want to use that that account outside Splinterlands. Because yeah, while you are creating an account in Splinterlands, they also create your uh, Hive account. So if you want to use that Hive account for any other apps on Hive, uh, you can just export your your private keys. I think yeah, you just need to upgrade your account or something. But that that's still a nice thing that they're allowing this easy on onboarding mm. for the users. Yeah, no, it's, I think in by far and away, um, Sprintlands is is the easiest blockchain game to kind of get into. In, in on, on the blockchain side, it's just super simple. You can um, yeah, you can spend kind of crypto in there. You can you can kind of uh, associate your kind of link your Hive account to other kind of wallets, so you can link it to an Ethereum wallet or whatever, and, and you can pay pay that way. Um, or you can, when I first started playing, I just used PayPal to to to, to pay, and it kind of you know all, all worked kind of magically. And I think the nice thing about it is, with a lot of blockchain games, we've always had this idea that you know it becomes a like a player led economy, and and um, you know people you basically you know, it's a card based game, so you kind of uh, you buy card packs and they're random drops and then you can go and you can um kind of melt melt them back for the they have a, a cryptocurrency called uh dark energy crystals um which you can buy and sell on exchanges as well as, as you would do with any kind of cryptocurrency but you can melt your cards back down you can then go and buy more cards and, and level the cards you got up and and all that kind of you can actually lend i've never done it you can lend cards out obviously i guess you'd need a i don't know how that system works you'd need some high value cards in there um uh, but it's just yeah it's just it's just like of the blockchain game that, that lots of people have been trying to make, it's been there. I didn't realize it's been, it's been there for like two years, and I and I because it was just on Steam. I I never really got involved with the Steam blockchain, so I, I found it really really interesting. And they have quite a good tournament. I mean, I'm rubbish at it uh, uh, as with most games, but but they have like a really good tournaments kind of set up. Um, and I think you know over the over the history of the game, um, I think when you when you log log on the website, it tells you how much it's been. One hundred twenty thousand dollars worth of prizes have been put in, and um, you know, and anyone can create tournaments if they want to so you know companies can do it and the other thing that is really good and you should definitely set up is they have a um a uh, referral system like an affiliate link yeah yeah so exactly. so you can own you can if someone uses your refer- referral link i think you get five percent of what they do um, <laughs> and actually some someone i was amazed i mean I, someone actually used my referral link which is like hardly ever happens at all <laughs> so i was like oh it actually works you know it's kind of um kind of good he didn't tell me that someone had used it which was probably bad it would have been better if i um if it had kind of told me i just happened to have a look but, um, <laughs> yeah yeah 
And do you, do you, do you like kind of card uh, trading card games? Are you, is that you play Hearthstone a lot? Or? I was not playing a lot. I, I think also I was just talking about the blockchain games. I think I, yeah, I've tried a bit uh, like when when Loom launched Zombie Battlegrounds. I was just trying that. Uh, I, I also like I uh, let's say I tried a bit uh, uh, Gods Unchained, but yeah, I was not. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm usually not that uh, into into uh, trading like into card games. But uh, I was more like by curiosity, just just trying to understand uh, what's the logic, what's the economy in these games, and so on. So uh, yeah, I, I kind of like the idea that I would be like half good at card collection games, or card, card trading games. But but I kind of start playing them, and then I realize the amount of time I'm going to have to spend to like look at all the cards and work out you know what, what's a good deck. It's just going to be hours, and it's you know it would it would be all my gaming time and more just to focus on this one game whereas you know if you just want to drop into you know if you play like a you know a first person shooter i mean they all have their own peculiarities but you basically know what you do you, you have a gun you go and shoot people you know it's, it's quite it's quite you know relaxing from that point of view i suppose whereas with a, a card game when you start off you just know it's going to be weeks and weeks of, of like having to work this stuff out whereas in splinterlands actually i found it um they have a much smaller card kind of kind of um uh kind of overall overall card kind of a collection yeah yeah um, uh- and it just it just seems, and, and the other I guess the other thing we should point out, which is um, which is quite um, I was quite surprised about. Um, it's it's not like a normal card game where you um, you all take turns and and you can get more cards coming into your deck and blah blah blah. Basically, what you do is you set up your deck to begin with, and and they basically they they kind of your cards and your opponent's card are laid out in in like a long line. And only the and kind of the, the first two cards are melee cards and they attack each other. And then the other cards, depending on kind of what they are, they can they, they normally all attack the first card. Um, so it's kind of like a as cards are destroyed, they're normally the first cards, and then the, the kind of pack shuffles up. And it's all automatic. So so you, you basically you, you choose your deck, you put it in, and then the kind of compute the game plays the game plays plays the bout for you. So it just makes it super fast. Um, and, and yeah, it just it really appealed to me. So I think. Uh, you know that Splinterlands it has been pretty successful. It's the most successful blockchain game at the moment. It's the most successful DAP on any blockchain at the moment. Um, but I think it has the potential to go, to go quite a bit bigger if they you know if they could market it in the right yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, sure. I think they they're they're looking to 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 increase their their user base, maybe to come up with new features and so on. So uh, yeah, we just need to keep an eye on that. Uh, now we just need to keep an eye on uh, their migration from from Steam to Hive, and also look how this could affect uh, Steam. Uh, like all those users that were previously, yeah, uh, using Steam to play Splinterlands, now they they have just moved to Hive. So that that would be like a really interesting thing to see uh, over upcoming weeks and months to see how how much it will this affect uh, Steam. Yeah, is the uh, the situation for Steam just gets worse and worse, doesn't it? It's just <laughs> just just that entire Tron takeover is just. You know, I can't can't see anything other than being a complete disaster because <laughs> uh, the uh, the you know some part of the community at least has created a a a, um, a hard fork and basically the majority of the what was the Steam community has moved over to that hard fork. So it's um you know not to say that Steam couldn't couldn't re invent itself. I suppose if it came up with came up with kind of new DApps and I suppose with Tron behind it, there's kind of things they could do on there that haven't been done before. I suppose, but um it's not, for the for the first kind of few months of the of the takeover. Um, yeah, not 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 been going well, but good good. Um, yes, yeah, so, and at that radar, we spent a lot of time looking at obviously blockchains, and we just we just produced our our May report, so looking at what was going on in May. Um, 
So I'll quickly give an overview of that. It's kind of interesting compared to compared to March when there was like a lot going on <laughs> with everything in the world economy and, and crypto prices. Um, April was kind of recovering from that and, and May has kind of been fairly quiet, really, actually. Um, certainly for, for Tron and EOS, not a lot changed, certainly in terms of users. Um, for Steam and Hive, we kind of saw saw this kind of um, kind of crossing over happening where kind of Steam was, Hive was picking up a lot of users. Um, smaller blockchain, Wax, um, had a really good month because it had the, the Garbage Pail Kids uh, collectible cards thing, and that worked really well. Um, they sold all the card packs out really quickly. And then we've seen a lot of trading volume. So I think actually off the top of my head, I think Wax went from about $200,000 worth of activity in April to about $900,000 worth in in May. So that's, I mean, it's still not a large amount of money compared to some of these other blockchains, but it's kind of quite a large increase. Um, so that's, that's good to see, I think. It's, it's good good to see some of these smaller blockchains kind of gaining usage. And it's not just kind of speculative usage or, or kind of you know made up numbers. It's, you can see it's actually... They've come up with a pro with a project that people are interested in, and then people are then you know kind of um, finding value in trading these things. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I, I've seen uh, like users that are usually trading on on uh, uh, on Ethereum, for example, or like either they're like into NFTs uh, and mostly on Ethereum because that's where most activity happening uh, these days. I've seen them like actually being active in in Wax, so like in in this new this new game and collectible. Uh, depth. So yeah, I think I think that's great, uh, and I think the the takeaway from this is that it shows that the blockchain, yeah, it's it's important, but uh, like it also like the value proposition of the projects that these blockchains are bringing is really important because yeah, it, it shows that uh, the users that are into this space they are interested in 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 other DApps on other blockchains if they are bringing enough value to them. So uh, we'll see if if this will keep going. If we'll see. How other other blockchains will react to this, and uh, yeah, yeah, and I think it's obviously something at that, that radar we're really interested in because <laughs> our focus is looking at DApps and looking at the activity around DApps. So, so I guess we're we're kind of firm believers that the the thing that creates value really in the long term for blockchains isn't isn't the fact that you can speculate on the on the price of the crypto is that they're going to be useful for something. You know, people are actually going to be using them for for proper real world things. Whether that I mean, it could be gaming, it could be gambling, it could be you know serious more serious things like DeFi, um but obviously there's you know loads loads of different you know kind of social stuff it could be doing i mean i think over time you know we expect everything everything that's on kind of web 2.0 to come over to, to kind of kind of blockchains um so i think it's good to see with wax um and i think they are they, they do show they are they are quite a, kind of a, a small tight team of quite experienced people um and, and but it is interesting that they, they've managed you know they're kind of building their own ecosystem um and i think that, I expect to see kind of more growth in them. And, and as you point out, uh, the, the uh, one blockchain I didn't mention, so so Ethereum, Ethereum was interesting actually in 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 May because it's had these very high gas prices as we've discussed before, and that really hit gaming. So gaming, gaming normally gaming, I think in April gaming was like forty three percent of all uh, daily activity on Ethereum, and in May it was down to like twenty one percent or something. So basically, kind of um, over the entire. Ethereum blockchain over all the dApps on it basically kind of halved its its percentage rate on there, um, and in fact, all I think all categories were kind of hit to some degree. So even stuff like DeFi and, and, ex and exchanges all all saw a kind of decline in daily usage. But what we did see conversely was with exchanges and DeFi uh, a fairly substantial increase in the amount of value being put into them. So it's still like the DeFi um, exchange kind of categories as they have done really for the last kind of six months. 
really still kind of powering ahead. Um, and uh, you know, Ethereum now had one point two billion dollars worth of value in May, which was you know, is, I think what was it? Uh, that compares to like a hundred million for Tron and about um, six hundred million for EOS. Um, so, so it really is kind of powering ahead, um, which is obviously kind of kind of good to see. Not that the world is all about DeFi, <laughs> but. Yeah, yeah, sure. I think one interesting thing I've seen regarding the gas prices, as we were talking in the previous episodes uh, about all these services, like, I don't know, for example, Argent or like other wallets that are offering uh, the transactions uh, for free, kind of like you don't need to pay the gas fees. Uh, I've, I've seen like, I think this is causing some of these, uh, some of these products to, to rethink their strategy in terms of offering free gas fees for everyone. Kind of free transactions, paying the gas fees for everyone, uh, and as far as I, I, I've, I've seen, uh, for example, Argent, they are kind of still offering these free transactions, uh, but only like they're, they're limited to certain transactions. Like if you are depositing to some specific DeFi DApps, or like if you are doing certain actions, then yeah, it's free. Um, but if, after that, if you are doing uh, other things, like if you are using the wallet for other things, then I think you need to pay the the, the fees. Because yeah, I mean we've seen that like the the fees are really high, and uh, one thing is that probably one some of the users are uh, abusing the system. I'm not sure like what are the cases, uh, but yeah, probably they've seen some abuses in terms of uh, yeah using these uh, these features to to do something else. Uh, so yeah, they are kind of rethinking some of these features. So yeah, that's also interesting to to see. Yeah, no, I guess the whole gas thing, gas price kind of issue, it always kind of crops up. Um, but I don't think it's ever been as bad bad as this. Not for the last kind of couple of years, at least. It's it's a, it's kind of whether the system can kind of you know can kind of rebound from it, and and whether um, I think I know some people are kind of like talking about I think increasing kind of um, was it increasing block sizes or in, kind of increasing kind of blocks block um, size. Um, which is obviously kind of a radical thing to do. Obviously, we've got kind of ETH two coming at some point down the line, which which kind of solves all these problems. But it's so it's, I guess it's a case of um, do it. Does the Ethereum blockchain have to kind of undergo a couple of months of just this this kind of issue? Um, or or, or uh, in the long term, is 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 kind of you know, very different with, with ETH two, or you know, or whether it is a more kind of permanent structure. I don't know. It's it's, um, it's, it's difficult. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I guess. As we kind of said, um, kind of previously, it, it does the current situation does provide an opportunity for for these new scalability solutions that are coming out. Uh, Matix has just gone gone put their main main out of and and as we discussed, kind of scale labs are doing theirs at some point in June. And um, yeah, um, I think there's a lot a lot coming down the, the road in terms of scalability, um, but but yeah, yeah, not here yet. So um, we'll, we will see. Um, something else uh, on the, something on the DeFi side um, at the moment that we we're talking about is that radar we're we're kind of powering ahead <laughs> loads of new things coming out um and, and one of the things um is is open data so open data is kind of our, our kind of way of us presenting the data that we um that we track in in kind of different ways so kind of i guess that radar version one was kind of just looking at each individual dap and just kind of showing kind of value of volume and, and and daily usage and with open data it's much more kind of granular in the stuff we can show so do you want to talk us through a bit about um, the plan for open data? Sure, sure. Uh, at the moment, yeah, we we just have like a, like we are still playing with uh, with the data that we have. Uh, we have like uh, the the initial dashboard that we have created there. It was uh, about decentralized exchanges. Uh, when yeah, we are show, showing various uh, 
statistics and analysis about the, about the decentralized exchanges uh, on Ethereum for now. Obviously, we are planning to extend to other blockchains. Uh, we are still working on making Ethereum uh, to work uh, as good as possible, and then we'll focus on different blockchains. Um, so yeah, right now we also we have launched a new dashboard uh, which is uh, dedicated to Compound Dapp, uh, and it's really interesting to see the data there. And the plans for the future, I mean, the, the main goal of this of, of the open data product that we are building is uh, to kind of offer a playground for anyone to play with the data. So when we are talking about historical data, we are talking about function calls in smart contracts, we are talking about events in the smart contracts. So it's like the, the whole spectrum of data that you can get from a, from a smart contract. So yeah, we've put a lot of work into that. We, we think the data is really important. Uh, and now uh, the users and, and who's interested in, in the data, they do not necessarily need to, to be limited by the, by the uh, metrics that we are showing by default on operator.com, like uh, I don't know, transactions uh, in the last 24 hours, uh, volume uh, and users. And they can just just pick and uh, any metrics that they want and build their own dashboards, build, build their, their own ranking systems, and so on. So we think that's that's like a let's say a, a playground. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the right word uh, for for anyone that that's interesting in the data. And then the the, the second thing about this is uh, we'll try to pick the most important uh, gold nuggets that we'll find in that data and. To, to show them to the world, basically, either using our blog and our articles that we are doing, uh, either just embedding those statistics and charts directly on DAPRADO.com for everyone to see. Uh, because, yeah, it requires certain knowledge to actually uh, use that playground. So you need to, to know how the data is structured and a little bit about the specific DAP that you are looking into and so on. Uh, so we'd like to, to also make this data available to everyone as soon as we have it ready. So. Uh, yeah, this, this is the let's say the main goal with with uh, open data, and we plan to make it available for all the DApps uh, in the near future. So all the smart contracts that we have on DappRadio.com will be also available in the open data. So also all of the developers, uh, the DApp developers, can actually create dashboards uh, for their DApps and show data that it's it's um, I know it's uh, relevant to their DApps. Uh, because yeah, as I said, we now we are kind of tracking and displaying uh, the same metrics for all the DApps, but maybe not uh, those metrics are not relevant to all the DApps. So uh, we think that that that's also a, an opportunity for all the DApp developers to kind of show exactly what they think it's it's relevant uh, to their DApps. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, it's it's, uh, it's fascinating having having uh, the first kind of like uh, DApp specific kind of uh, dashboard for Compound because it's. It's going into what you you know what you really want to kind of see in terms of um, you know the, the the broad schemes obviously yeah more, more people using compound or, or less but obviously because people are basically locking locking collateral in uh, potentially to get interest for long periods of time the, the daily kind of data is isn't is showing you something but it's not showing you kind of the deeper trends and now we can look at kind of the what what types of collateral are being supplied so so the actual tokens or ETH ETH or USDC or Dai or, or wrap Bitcoin or whatever and see how that changes over time. Um, so, so that's kind of fascinating and you can kind of also see the other side you're seeing what's being supplied you're seeing what's being borrowed and that really starts to give you insight into you know how are people using this and you know why are they uh you know, the, the shifts between different kind of um uh yeah types of tokens 
um, and, and how, depending on how they're being used in the wider ecosystem, some of them become more valuable than others. And um, I guess it's particularly interesting. I wouldn't say I understand it terribly deeply, but you have a lot. We have a lot of stable coins now. So we have, you know, particularly on Ethereum, we have USDC and Dai uh, and Tether as well. Um, and they all kind of work in slightly different ways. They're always kind of, you know, they they, they peg the dollar in in, in diff, different kind of mecha- mechanics for that. Um, they always have like different communities around them, um, but they're all kind of a stable coin. They're all kind of worth a dollar, but you see very different use cases depending on the dApps and, and what's going on in the wider ecosystem. And um, I think there's a big thing at the moment between people switching between DAI and USDC for, for various kind of reasons and terms of the interest you can get. Yeah. It's really, uh, really, really fascinating. And I think you know, when we start, we start providing this level of detail, this level of granularity, you know, across, you know, obviously there's, there's kind of like now, like, six big DeFi exchange dApps. Um, actually, from that report um, that I wrote in May, there's, there were was, there was six, um, six dApps that did more than $100 million worth of value uh, during May. And so you can kind of see it's not just not just like MakerDAO now and Compound. There's, you know, there's a DXDY and Uniswap and Kyber and you know, quite, quite a lot. They're all kind of moving together. Um, and to get the real kind of granular data about that kind of stuff is, is, is going to be fascinating. And obviously, we're not just thinking about DeFi and exchanges. We're kind of looking at, you know, kind of games and collectibles. So I'm tr- trying to get my head around what's the best data to uh, to show around blockchain games, which is uh, which is good. It's it's, re- it's really good thinking because it forces you to think very carefully. Because we look, as you say, we're looking at the level of what's going on in the smart contract. It makes you really think about what, how are people using these things? You know, where's the value being created? What you know, what's yeah, yeah, exactly. Particularly in games, you have some sometimes have quite different um, activity going on. You have people trading and buying NFTs. And also you have people using maybe cryptocurrency as just as a payment mechanic to, to unlock other things in the game. So you have these quite different uses, uses cases. So yeah, certainly, certainly good for my, for my brain to get a bit of exercise. <laughs> but uh, yeah, sure. Sure. I think it's, it's really interesting for everyone. I mean, uh, let's say in the DeFi space, there, there are like a lot of places where you could play with the data or like read the data, uh, but not that much, for example, in, in blockchain games and uh, like even gambling, like, it's really, it would be really interesting to see, um, like, yeah, some of the gambling dApps, they, uh, like, either they're running everything on the blockchain, like all the, like, the events and functions, other are maybe just using the payments and uh, maybe the withdrawals and so on, uh, like, using the blockchain and the smart contracts. So it, I think it's really interesting to also look at all the other dApps that we have, like, even social media and so on that, that's running on the blockchain just to see like what are the most uh, like uh, yeah as, as you said like how what the users are actually using in, in these depths so yeah also like for DeFi like all the things that you have said about stable coins and, and so on I think it's it's really interesting to see it can it can help you to kind of to, to take decisions so you can use the data and then you can decide like which which pair I should use in an exchange for example or like where should I lend my my funds uh, where should I how should I borrow like the funds? What should I use as a collateral and so on? So all these all these things like it becomes a, re- a really complex uh, uh, space. So I think all these decisions should be based on the on, on the data and on anal- uh, analysis. So that's what we are trying to offer. Like that's that's the goal of open data. Mm. And I do think it's a good point you mentioned there about the gambling side. So I don't do a lot of uh, blockchain gambling um, at all, but I've, I've had to kind of use some of these dApps to kind of you know to understand how they work and, and write reports about them. And they, there is a kind of a fascination there because um, you know particularly the ones on, on on EOS and Tron, you know they have their own kind of sub tokens, um, and that's really how a lot of the dynamics works. Is is you you know you kind of get these sub tokens and you kind of lock them in into the system as almost like a staking mechanic, and you get dividends out again. Um, and you know 
it's really only really gambling dApps that use those kind of mechanics at the moment. We start to seeing it potentially a little bit in games, I think, um, but but nothing like in gambling. And and to have like the real data about kind of seeing how those token that those token movements kind of happen because sometimes they actually have multiple tokens, particularly on Tron because you have Tron and you have the the um, BitTorrent token. Then all the gambling dApps have their own token. And so this is quite kind of complicated interaction, I think, between between the tokens, the tokenomics, as we <laughs> horrible term, the not horrible term, the it was, it was funny, the funny term we use. Anyway, so so yeah, open data, go and check it out. We'll put we'll put that uh, the link to open data in the show notes, and lots more coming from from that. So we'll keep talking about it. Um, final thing I wanted to briefly discuss. Um, uh, going back to how how Splinterlands was was like a really nice user experience, I was very surprised about it. I had I had I had I went back to old school blockchain <laughs> user experience this week. Uh, I just thought I would let off steam about it. So this is actually quite an interesting project. I would definitely say people worth checking it out. It's called Orchid, and it's a blockchain based uh, VPN um, uh, product currently for uh, mobile um, devices. I think it's kind of it's live on Android at the moment. I think they're they're doing test flight and testing on on iOS. Um, but it's very interesting that you it's kind of a thing where you had to and I, and I can understand why it was complicated because it's running on Ethereum and 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 it's a privacy um, kind of product. Obviously, so it's a VPN, so they wanted that they were very much about privacy. Um, but what was interesting was you had to first you had to kind of download a or, or well, they recommended you downloaded a um, and created a new Ethereum wallet using a, a mobile uh, a wallet like uh, like MetaMask. So that's kind of fine. You do that, and then obviously you have to kind of fund that up with with ETH because so it works. And then you had to get some of their Orchid tokens. I mean, that was actually quite fairly easy to do because you can do that on on a Uniswap. So I had to do that. So, so going through the, the stages. So I've got my ETH, got my got my Orchid tokens. Then you have to download the Orchid uh, um, app, which is actually just from the Google App Store. But that doesn't have a wallet in it, um, so you're using MetaMask as the wallet, and then you have to kind of sync the two up, uh, and then also then you have to have uh, your Orchid tokens. You need some in a deposit account sort of thing, and some in a um, a spending account, um, and then you, and then I had like, massive problems. Like, I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't sync it up. It was horrible. It was, I was trying to fill fill in you know fill in the the uh, wallet address, and I was just getting it all wrong. It's one of those I was saying before one of these things where you, just, you know you should be able to do it. And you just get so frustrated that you start doing the wrong thing. And <laughs> I was just randomly pressing buttons. It got awful. Um, and then I realized just use the QR code. But because the QR code, because I had the wallet on the same phone that, that I had the app, I then had to like get the QR code up, take a photo in it in another phone, then take a photo of it. And it was like, oh, and it was, you know, and I, and I guess, you know, but that would be the user experience is people would have a QR code, but the wallet would be in the same phone because people, I mean, I have more than one phone, but most people have one phone. It just, it just, I thought it's such a simple thing that, you know, any product person would just go, this is, <laughs> we, we've created a simple thing, but no one can use it for this other issue. <laughs> and it just really reminded me of, you know, yeah, exactly. I'm sure you can remember that the first time you open, you do a MetaMask wallet or something. And it's just like, it's just like, what am I doing? What? I don't, oh, my head's exploded. <laughs> Where's all my money gone? <laughs> um, and I will say it worked really well. So once I got it to work after about an hour, it has been working really well. So I would, from that point of view, recommend uh, if you're looking for a blockchain-based VPN, um, it, it seems to work quite well. Um, but it just—it was just oh, it just kind of—I I thought those days were long gone. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, do you do a lot? Do you do a lot of blockchain stuff on your phone? I don't know. I'm—I'm I'm much more like like a computer blockchain person. I think that's, they're quite different use cases, really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm also like, I would say I, I use more blockchain things on, on my on my laptop, on my desktop and so on. Uh, I'm, I'm using also the mobile for some things. For example, I'm just playing X-Infinity on my on my phone, but that's 
that's that I would say they're like the blockchain part is like really uh, yeah, limited uh, because you don't need the wallet or anything to just play Axie Infinite on your phone. It's, it's exactly as a normal app. So uh, yeah, I, I would not say uh, I'm using a lot of the blockchain things on, on the phone. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm more like a desktop uh, person too for blockchain related stuff, mostly because it's way easier to kind of set up everything, wallets, connect, and you don't need to use any specific browser and so on. And like, yeah, I think that makes the my, my life easier, I would say. Yeah, I think, yeah, no. But you can kind of, the frustration is, I guess, that you mobile is where the audience is, isn't it? If you can, if you can, if you can get a smooth experience on mobile, then obviously, you know, you have, yeah, everyone's on their phone all the time. So, and, that, and people, um, you know, I guess see see mobile as the thing that's always there, the thing that they're always looking at, where their kind of digital life is. Whereas desktop now for a lot of people or laptop is kind of work sort of thing. So, is is that frustration? I can see the frustration. Yeah, sure, definitely for the games. Uh, I see. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're building, a, if you're creating a blockchain game, you should, yeah, I think the main yeah the main goal should be to to have a smooth smooth experience on the mobile because that's where the more most of the audience is. So. Mm. Maybe that would be my homework for next week to 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 do the get Axie Infinity on mobile because I've seen they've had a version and I've just I've never never tried it out so maybe maybe that'd be my homework for next week. <laughs> yeah, also like one thing that we should also cover probably in the next episodes, like just talking about privacy. Uh, I know there's a DAP, I don't know the name right now uh, that kind of allows you to to sell your data. So there's a marketplace. Uh, I think you just install an extension or something. They just collect the data. Uh, and then it's up to you what you want to do with the data that they're collecting. Like, do you want to sell it? Uh, do you want to keep it? Do you want to share it or, or so on? So I think that's also like an interesting, interesting topic regarding privacy. Uh, because, yeah, at the moment right now, all our data is, is uh, collected, but it's not necessarily benefit from that. Like in terms of like, there's no monetary value for us. Uh, yeah, we probably get better services from some of this uh, uh places that are collecting our data but uh, yeah in this case you can also sell it so that's i think that's that's a really nice topic we could cover good we'll, look, we'll definitely do some research around that for next week lovely so thank you very much dragosh that was a really good we've covered a lot of stuff as ever i think yep thank you so much uh thank you for listening <laughs> thank you for listening uh listeners don't forget to subscribe every week we are uh, taking a look uh at what's going on in the world of daps through the eyes of uh, dap radar and looking at the data and 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 everything so if you're excited about daps if you're that happy please do subscribe but thanks for listening to this podcast number three and uh, come back next week yep see you next time